Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. shall show forth thy praise for thou desirest not sacrifice else would I give it thou delightest not in burnt offering verse 17 the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart O God thou wilt not despise do good in thy good pleasure and design. Build thy, thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings, then shalt they offer bullocks unto or upon thine altar. I want you to look at verse 17. The sacrifices of God. The sacrifices of God. And that's what I want to preach with the Lord's help today. The sacrifices of God. I want him to help us. I want him to speak to us. How many come needing the Lord to speak to you this morning? I mean, knows and believes that God is able to do that. That he's able to speak to us. And it's all really... Uh, according to how we open up our hearts and are able to receive and yield to the voice of the Lord. I believe, and, and I, I'm sincere about this, I believe that God is often speaking, but it's our ability to hear uh, that we find lacking sometimes. And I want to have an ear that can hear what the Spirit is saying because it is critical that I hear from God. Praise God. Let's lift up our voices to Him and let's pray for His anointing. Let's pray for His touch in the continuation of this service this morning. Jesus, we desire You. We need You. We need the help of the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit of the Lord to minister in this place. I'm praying, God, that You would touch every heart and soul in this building. You know of every need that is here. There's not one situation, God, that You're not aware of. There's not one person, God, that you are not willing to minister to in this place. God, I'm praying that you would touch and stir us, minister to us in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Amen and amen. Let's give praise to the Lord again. Praise God. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. You may think it strange or a bit unusual, but I consider the 51st Psalm one of the most beautiful psalms of the entire book, and I know that there are many very descriptive and very poetic and very beautiful psalms, and we've all been inspired by them. We've all been strengthened and encouraged a lot of times when you go to the Word of the Lord needing encouragement, needing strength, and uh, 
Maybe you want inspiration in your prayer or even in your worship and praise to God. You go to the book of Psalms. Many of us even incorporate the book of Psalms into our prayer. And uh, some of us can quote various verses from the book of Psalms. And uh, we recount them in our prayers to the Lord. Because there's so much in the book of Psalms that we can identify with. There's so much as far as in the content of the book of Psalms that we can relate to. It, it covers just about every emotion known to man. And we know that not all of the Psalms, a great part of them, but not all of the Psalms are written by David. This particular one is probably uh, one of them that we look to and it stands out as being a Psalm that we understand was written by David. And... Uh, uh, we, we understand the different things that David went through in his life, the trials, the testings, the ups, the downs. Uh, he reveals to us uh, how fragile we are as humans. This man that was able to uh, do great things through the help of the Lord, this man that was mightily anointed to bring down giants, to slay the Philistines and subdue them. This man that was a leader among leaders. This man that was used to inspire God's people on many, many occasions uh, and bring them and lead them to victory. Yet, this is a man that also knew sorrow. This is a man that also knew what it was to have heartache. And you, you may say, that's strange for you to pick uh, the 51st Psalm as one of your favorite psalms or beautiful psalms. But one of the reasons why is because there is a plethora of preaching in this passage. There's so much that we can glean from. You know, there's various verses here that we often focus upon, and rightly so, and I've preached from just about every one of these verses at one time or another. Nevertheless, uh, these particular verses that I have chosen today give us insight into what God really relishes and what God is looking for in you and I. You, you may say, how could it be that this particular psalm would be so beautiful because it is speaking primarily about brokenness. It is speaking about sacrifice and contrition and Ultimately, it deals with repentance. Matter of fact, that's the sum. If you had to distill this one psalm down just to one word, it would be the word repentance. That's what this particular prayer was unto God. And we get the opportunity to eavesdrop upon this very intimate prayer that David was having with God. But uh, this this. Psalm being a psalm of repentance and crying out to the Lord. It is us that has made repentance ugly. It is us that has made it something to shun. But you do understand that in God's economy, in God's kingdom, that repentance is not ugly at all. But repentance means hope. Repentance is a beautiful thing to God. In fact, Jesus said in Luke chapter 15 and verse 7, 
I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over the sinner, one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. So we know that God is attracted to. We know that His attention is alerted to that person that repents. Repentance is a beautiful thing. It lifts us from uh, feeling the heaviness of condemnation and the burden of guilt and shame. And can I say to you as a pastor that has done this for a little while, there's a whole lot of people that's going to miss out on blessings that God has for them and never realize their potential in God simply because of shame and guilt and condemnation that has ridden their life and that they have allowed to remain and to dog them and keep them from really being what they are intended to be and called to be by God. They allow something that is uh, an action of the past or failure of the past or some situation that they have fallen into to allow them uh, to, to carry that burden of shame and that heartache that, uh, you know what, I just uh, I failed and I'm disqualified and I'll never be able to get back up again. There's nothing more further from the truth than that. If I did not believe in the mercies of God, I wouldn't be a preacher today. But I'm here today because there's hope. And what gives us that hope is that we have the ability to repent of our sins and come to an altar and make things new with God and be restored in our relationship with the Lord because God desires a relationship with every person under the sound of my voice this morning. God wants you to, to draw close and near to Him. He wants to speak to you. Amen. He wants uh, for you to walk with Him. He wants you to know Him and receive the blessings uh, that He has in store for you. And the only way you can is you've got to be, you've got to be relieved of that guilt uh, and that shame that you've been carrying along. And you've got to realize uh, that God did not intend for me to come to church and feel beaten down by the shame but he intends for me to come and give glory and praise and worship unto his name hallelujah and really it's not that difficult when you come to an altar and repent with sincerity I've got a God that the scripture says is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins when we confess them and say, God, I, I want to turn away from that. I don't want to continue in the habit of that. I don't want to be that person. I don't like what that is causing me to be and what it is bringing into my life. But I want to be blessed by you. I want to know you. I want to draw close to you. When you repent, God is faithful and just, the Bible says, to forgive us. Amen. I'm so thankful that he forgives. I'm so thankful that God doesn't hold grudges against us once we repent. I, I'm so glad that we, we don't have to pay penance or go through uh, a 
ritual of rubbing rosaries this morning. But we have an altar today. And we can come and pour our heart out on that altar. And we've got a God that is able to hear our prayers when we pray them with sincerity. And we don't have to to know necessarily all the nuances of prayer. We don't have to come with just the right language of prayer as we think sometimes that we've got to come and we've got to pray in the King James English and we've got to get every uh, word enunciated just right. But you know God's looking beyond that and He's looking to the sincerity of the heart and the person that comes and pours themselves out and says, God, I come here today crying out to you because I need your mercy. I need you to forgive me. And every person in this building, we may be dressed up today. We may have our hair combed and our shoes shined. And we may come to this house and look pretty. But we've all known what it was to be tainted by sin and need the forgiveness of God. We've all needed the blood of Jesus to cleanse us of our sins. We've all needed Him to wash us. We've all needed Him, amen, to forgive us. Anybody know what I'm talking about today? You too have needed the forgiveness of Almighty God. Everybody in this room knows what it is to come to an altar and say, God, I'm sorry. I need you. I need you in my life. I don't want to continue in this way. I don't want to continue to be this kind of a person. But change me. Change me. Repentance restores relationship with God. Repentance destroys the dead works of sin in our lives. Repentance foils the devil's plans for a person's life. Repentance is a total game changer. Repentance offers redemption and it gives hope to the person that repents. Yet true repentance brings about a real change in a person's life. Matter of fact, the Bible speaks about fruits of repentance. Amen. Fruit that comes as a result of somebody repenting before God. The person that just comes and goes through a ritualistic prayer and just goes through the motions, uh, that's not That's not necessarily the repentance that I'm referring to today. That's not what these verses is talking about here this morning. But true repentance is more than just crocodile tears. True repentance is more, and I want you to understand and hear me out this morning, it's more than just being sorry. That's a starting place. That's a good beginning because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians, it tells us that godly sorrow, 2 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 10, for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation. That's a good starting place. That's a good beginning point is when we're sorry for our sin. And I do believe that God and his conviction deals with a person's heart. And stirs a person's heart so that they uh, feel sorry for their sin. 
And I think it's necessary. It's a necessary element of repentance that you be sorry. The only way that you can fully repent is to be sorrowful for your sin and realize that I can't continue on in this. i gotta, I got to change. I, I, I can't continue to be this kind of an individual or person. Godly sorrow leads you somewhere. It leads you to full repentance. But full repentance, there will be adjustments. There will be alterations. There will be corrections in your life. That is the fruit of repentance. Amen. That's the result that comes from repentance. And when we just come and we we just pray a little prayer and say, God, I'm sorry for what I did. Amen. I'm sorry for the feeling that I'm feeling because of what I've done. But uh, we refuse to change and we, we don't really have it in our heart that we're going to be any different. Uh, That's not truly repentance. Uh, But we need to follow through and make up our minds uh, with your help, God, and through the power of your Spirit. And this is why the Holy Ghost, uh, the Spirit of God, is so important to every one of us. Uh, It's because in our flesh uh, there is no good thing. And we need the empowerment of the Spirit of God if we're going to be able to overcome and be a different person we're going to need his spirit to resist temptation to be strong enough amen to resist the devil when he comes around and submit to the word of God the only way that we can do that is through the help of the spirit of the Lord And that's what the Holy Ghost is. It's empowerment. It is the ability to live a victorious life. Amen. You you can't get that by reciting a sinner's prayer. You can't get that by just going through the ritual of reading over something that somebody handed to you in an altar and said, hey, pray this. But the only way you can get to that place is to come to an altar and from your heart... Say, I repent, God. I'm turning around. And the Bible tells me it's at that moment that you become a candidate for the greatest promise that God has for His people. And that is the promise of the Holy Ghost. For the Bible said when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, he preached first of all, repent and be baptized every one of you. No exceptions, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And he shall, he shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you. Yes, he's still pouring it out. He's still giving the Holy Ghost today. He can do it in this service this morning. He can fill somebody with the power of the Holy Ghost before you leave here. Amen. 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 Praise God. I find it interesting that David in verse 6 of this chapter or this psalm he says, Behold Thou desirest truth in the inward parts. You are looking beyond the outward. You're looking beyond just the superficial and the exterior. He understood God wasn't looking for 
someone just to come and go through the motions. He wasn't looking for the rituals of religion. There's a lot of people, that's as far as it goes with them. Oh, I, I go to church. I belong to such and such church. But do you have a real relationship with God? I, I attend here. I worship with them. But do you live according to the word of the Lord? What is going on in your heart? How do you live not just the hour and a half, two hours on Sunday, but how do you live 24-7? He wasn't looking just at the exterior. He was interested in hearing a prayer that come from the heart, and David knew that. Verse 16, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. And to the casual reader here, verses 16 and 17 seem like they contradict one another. Certainly, verse 16 and verse 19 seem like they would contradict one another. Because on one hand, he was saying, you don't desire sacrifice and burnt offerings. That's not what you're looking for here. But what David was really saying, if you delve into this a little bit deeper, is you're not just looking for us to come and put a sacrifice on the altar and our heart not be in it. And us just be going through the motions and the ritual and the routine of religion here and, and giving another sacrifice and shedding more blood. But we not really mean it from our heart and it not be sincere. And, and we be we're, we're thinking about something else when we're right here at the altar. We're going through the practice of, of the sacrifice and we're, we're, we're doing everything according to the letter of the law, but yet we don't have it in our heart and there's no real true desire that's coming from within and we're not really engaged in what we're doing. Could I spend just a little bit of time there? It's important that you be engaged when you come to church. It's important uh, that you be more than just mindlessly clapping your hands and mindlessly lifting your hands and mindlessly singing the songs that are memorized from years of singing them and mindlessly coming and, and being here and doing uh, what you know to do. But we got to get beyond that, David said. That's not what you delight in. That doesn't bring any kind of glory to you. That's not what you're looking for. You're looking for something more than that. You're looking for something more than just stale, dead religiosity. You're looking for something more than somebody that's got their mind on something else while they got their hands in the air and they're saying all the right phrases and they're singing the words and everything seems like on the exterior that it's perfect and alright but their heart is not engaged. I'm telling you we need people in the 21st century that are engaged that are into. Amen. There's passion. There's desire. There's a heartfelt worship that goes forth. When I sing the song, when I pray the prayer, my heart is in it. My heart is in it. My heart is in it. Yes. 
In fact, I've seen people, amen, that God moved on. They didn't know how to articulate the words. They did not know and they were not professionals at praying and seeking God but they were hungry for God and they were feeling God move upon them and their heart was engaged amen and so every word that was spoken was out of the sincerity of their heart and when they knelt at an altar it was it was crying out to God I may not have it all just right God amen I don't know exactly how to articulate what I feel in my spirit my heart but I'm doing my best to tell you that I love you. I'm doing my best to tell you, amen, that I want to serve you. I want to live for you. And it's like all of heaven comes down and kisses the earth when they in sincerity cry out to God. I'm going to tell you, the same way you got the Holy Ghost in the first place is the same way He can renew you in the Holy Ghost today. Because when you come and got the Holy Ghost the first time, you didn't come piously. You didn't come with pride in your heart. You didn't come worried about what anybody thought about you when you come down to the altar you were saying God I'm here because I want to please you because I love you because I desire more of you and all of a sudden the spirit of the Lord began to move and to touch you and you felt something that you had never experienced in all of your life Amen he said, I know, God, that you want more than ceremony. But if our heart's in it, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness and with the burnt offerings and the whole burnt offerings. Then shalt thou offer bullocks of on the altar. But not until a heart is in it are you going to be pleased with it. Not until... It comes from deep down within. Will it make any difference? So often we find God in brokenness. We find God when we cry out to Him in the brokenness of our spirit. He doesn't want just routine. He doesn't just want tradition. He desires somebody's sincerity. I was studying through Isaiah recently and I ran upon some verses in chapter 1. And I'll just read through some of them. Verse 11, to what purpose is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord. I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When you come to appear <clears throat> before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spare forth your hands, and I will, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, 
make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relive. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, notice the shift here in the Scripture, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If ye, being willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. I want to bless you. I want, I want to honor your sacrifice. And if you looked at this, you would say, well, well he, just, he was not pleased with what they placed on the altar. It wasn't what was on the altar that he wasn't pleased with. It was what was in their heart that he wasn't pleased with. And he said, if you'll come with sincerity, I'll accept what you put on the altar. I don't want just words. I don't want just meaningless phrases. I don't want your cliches anymore. I don't want you to come, amen, and just go through the motions of it anymore. But I want it to come from the sincerity of your heart. And when it comes from the sincerity of your heart, I will answer. I will give you the good of the land. I will bless you beyond what you're able to, 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 to even conceive in your mind that I'm able to do. What you're able able to even believe can happen I'm, be, I'm willing to do above and beyond what you can even imagine if you would just sincerely come and seek after me God's looking for one sincere heart that says God I'm open to you and I'm surrendered to you and I need you is anybody hungry for him today if you are why don't you raise your hands to him right now let's seek after him for a moment Thank you, Jesus. You can know how to be Pentecostal and not know God. You can even know how to quote Scripture and not know the God of the book. You can be raised up in this and not really know him. I'm going to show you an example. When you look into the word of the Lord in 2 Kings, you read about a man by the name of King Manasseh. Manasseh was raised by Hezekiah. Hezekiah, we know, was a man that knew how to pray and touch God. Matter of fact, when Hezekiah received letters from Sennacherib threatening him, when the Assyrians had made up their mind that they were going to come down and attack him and Judah and take it over and bring them into captivity, it was Hezekiah that began to seek the face of the Lord, began to cry out to God for God to spare them. And one of the greatest, we don't hear a lot about it, but one of the greatest miracles that you read about in the Old Testament of God protecting His people 
is God answering the prayer of Hezekiah. If I read it correctly, 85,000, the angel come and smote of the enemy. And the scripture says God delivered them because of the prayer of one individual that cried out to him in sincerity. Hezekiah knew how to pray. Hezekiah, not long after that, in chapter 20 of 2 Kings, you read of how that Isaiah came, directed by the Lord, and told him the sickness that you have is unto death. Set your house in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah, unwilling to accept this, turned his face, the scripture says, to the wall and prayed. A man that knew how to get a hold of God. And the Lord, before Isaiah could even reach the gate of the courtyard of the palace, the Lord spoke to him and said, go back and tell him that I've heard his prayer and 15 years should be added to his life. Hezekiah knew how to get a hold of God. And he had this son that was raised up around that, in that atmosphere, heard those prayers, knew that he had a daddy that knew how to touch God. Yet, when Manasseh came to the age of 12, we know that he became the king. And as the king, the Bible says that he immediately began to lead the people of God away from Jehovah, the one true and living God, under serving idols like Baal and Ashtaroth. And as a result, the people were steeped in paganism and idolatry. And they were godless and they were so there was a whole generation that was raised up that knew nothing about God but you know brokenness has a way of helping us to find our way back to God and so while it seemed like things was going so well for him and he, he, he was he was just this great king and and there was nobody that reigned any longer than he did. Fifty-five years he reigned as the king of Judah. Fifty-five years is a long time to be in such a place of authority as he was. And so you do understand that this was a man that thought, man, I've, got it. I've been at this a while. i got this together. And uh, there's nothing going to phase me. I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter what stage or place of life you are. God's got a way of getting your attention. God's got a way of unsettling things in your life. Oh, don't ever, don't ever lean back and think, I got it made now. There's no way. Amen. I've made it through the rough spots. I've got it through the hard spots. And, and there's, no, there's no way that I could lose anything. I've got it all under my control. I'm going to tell you something. God shook Manasseh down to his core. And the scripture says that he was led away in thorns and he was, was placed in fetters and placed in a prison and, and he was grievously vexed by the Assyrians. They wanted to make a mockery out of him. They wanted to do their best to humiliate him and embarrass him. But they didn't realize they were just instruments in the hands of God to get this little... Uh, 
man's attention and to shake him up so that sincerity would come back to his heart again and he would realize I'm not all of that I'm just I'm just a uh, the son of a man that knew how to touch God. That's that's the only reason I was here in the first place is because I had a daddy, amen, that knew how to pray and the blessings of God were upon him. That's the reason I'm even here. I'm going to tell you, if you're here today, you didn't get here by yourself. You're here because there's people that went before you that knew how to touch God, that knew how to pray. Don't ever get to feeling like the blessings of God in your life are because of you. It's because of generations of accumulation that we stand in this place this morning we're resting on the prayers of a whole lot of people that put blood in the ground to bring us to this point and so in his place of being in captivity being vexed by his enemy he begins to repent and cry out to God God I know I've led a whole generation of people away from you. I know I've lived a backslidden, calloused, sinful life. I know there's not many that's been any more vile than I have been. But God, I do know how to pray because I had a praying daddy. I do know the pattern of prayer because I, I've had it lived before me. And God, if you'd hear me, remember me, God, this is Manasseh. Hezekiah is my daddy. Will you hear my prayer? And this is a beautiful story of restoration. How that God reached down in a prison house and said, if you'll pray and if you'll seek me and if you'll fully repent, I'll bring you out of here. And he brought him out. And, and brought him to a place and restored him to his place of authority and his throne. Why? Because there was a willingness to repent. You may think repentance is ugly and painful, but I'm going to tell you, repentance is beautiful in the eyes of God because it has the ability to change the whole context of the story. It has the ability to change the ending. What looked like a man was a period, and this is the end. And, and God steps in and says, no, that's not a period. That's a comma that I'm going to put there because there's something that's happened. They've repented. They've cried out to me. They've sought me. They've hungered for me. And as a result, I'm going to swiftly come and deliver. I am going to move. I'm going to restore. I'm going to offer hope. I'm going to tell somebody in this place today, if you're willing to come broken before the Lord, you can find Him. He's not nearly as far off as you think He is. The Bible says that He resisted the proud but he gives grace he gives grace he gives grace to the person that is humble the person that falls on the rock the person that says God I need you oh lift your voice to the Lord today So the sacrifices that God attends to, the sacrifices of God are not learned, pious prayers, well honed and well practiced, but insincere. 
That's not the sacrifice of God. But it's brokenness. It's not a proud look. It's not the publican, or rather the Pharisee, that stands and says, Look at me and all that I have done and all that I have achieved. But it's the publican that beats his chest and says, God, help me, a sinner. That's, that's the sacrifices of God. I said, that's the sacrifices of God. I feel his presence here today to help somebody. You may think, why is my life broken in a thousand pieces like it is right now? But you can find God in all of that. And God can begin to put it back together again. Perhaps God brought you to this point so that you would seek him. So that you would call upon him. Would you lift up your voice again and let's pray together right now. God, we need your touch. We need your anointing. We need the help of your spirit. Let's stand together. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Many of you have heard the name Urshan. Many of you know who Brother Nathaniel Urshan is. He was leader of the United Pentecostal Church for years. Pastor in Indianapolis before that of a very large church, Calvary Tabernacle. Stalwart man in Pentecost. But his father, a pioneer, who um, came from what is now Iran, over in Persia, migrated here to America and began to pastor church in New York City, the largest city in our country. And God began to bless and God began to work. He married a, an American young lady and uh, they began a family and they were pastoring the church there. God was blessing him and he was going out and preaching and having revivals and teams of people were receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Brother Andrew Urshan was just a man that was trying to do the will of God in a culture that he didn't really understand all the things about. Came from a different era of time and culture in the Middle East. Now he's living here in America. And so as you can imagine, there were strains in the relationship, he and his wife. And then to add to that, him being absent and gone, a lot of the time did not help the situation. And in a moment of weakness, his wife was tempted. She went away with another man, Nathaniel Urshan, who was only 12 years old. And uh, a very devastating effect upon him. But Brother Andrew Urshan took his part of the responsibility, realizing there were some things that he could have done differently. And it was in a moment when he was feeling totally alone and broken 
And he closed himself away in a place of prayer and began to cry out to God for God's help. Many of you have heard this song, but you probably didn't realize the story behind it. But it was in that prayer meeting that God gave him the words to this song. When our hearts are bound in sorrow, and it seems all help is gone, Jesus whispers, do not falter. I will not leave you. I will leave you not alone. Then somehow amidst my trials, how it is I cannot see. Then I hear a voice from heaven gently saying, follow me. There is sunshine in the shadows. There is sunshine in the rain. There is sunshine in our sorrows. And our hearts are filled with pain. There is sunshine when we're burdened. And there is sunshine when we pray. There is sunshine, heavenly sunshine. Blessed sunshine all the way. Sometimes my friends forsake me, and I am tempted to despair. Then I think of my dear Savior to lay his head he had nowhere. Oh, it pays to follow Jesus, just to learn of him each day. And I'll guarantee you, my brothers, you'll have sunshine all the way. Through his brokenness, he was able to find a relationship with God and a depth with God that he had found no other way. I want to tell you, I don't know who I'm preaching to, but I'm telling you there's the sacrifices of God that are of a broken and a contrite spirit. You may not understand your brokenness, but through that there's a path to find God. There's a place that you can arrive at in God. You may not understand the hurt and the pain of your life, but God has an answer for you today. You can find Him. If you'll just come and, and pour your heart out to God and say, God, amen, I'm not here to question because I know that there is a will in all of this. I know there is a purpose in all of this. I know there's something that you're trying to reveal to me through all of this, and I want to be open to receive it. Is there anybody feeling what I'm feeling right now? Is there anybody willing to come to this altar and say, God, amen, I may not have all the answers at this moment, but I know in whom I have believed and I know that you have the answers and I know that you can solve every problem and you have the solution to every situation of my life if you feel to come these altars are open this morning I wonder if somebody would step out into the aisle and say God I need you to help me I need you to touch me I need you to minister to me I need you to work in my life I want to know you in a greater way I want to understand, amen, and I want to get a hold of something here this morning through the help of the Spirit, through the touch of God that I'm feeling in this house. I want to respond right now. Come on, let's, let's reach out to the Lord, amen. Let's, let's talk to Him. Let's seek after God right now, amen. If I'm willing to come sincerely, I've got a God that said He wouldn't despise me, amen. If I'm willing to come without hypocrisy, if and I'm willing to come honestly and I wanted to cry out to him in sincerity I've got a God that said that's what I'm looking for that's what I'm waiting on 
That's what I want. I want somebody that they may not have everything figured out as to how to do it. They're not professional at what they're attempting to do, but they have a heart that is sincere, that is crying out, that is saying, God, I need you. I need you. Oh, with your hands stretched towards the heavens. Oh, yes. Come on, lift your heart to God, saying, God, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am, God. I'm needing you today. I'm needing your touch today. Anybody feel the touch of the Holy Ghost? Anybody feel the touch of the Holy Ghost today? Hallelujah. He is here. He is available. He wants to move in your life. And He wants to touch and minister to you today. He wants to repair every breach and every broken down place of your life. He wants to help you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants to restore. Amen. God is able to do that. Come on. Pour your heart out to Him. Pour your heart out to Him. Come on, church. Be sensitive to God. Be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. Allow the Lord to move and work and have His way in your life. Open up your heart to it right now. Hallelujah. As they begin to sing, Amen. We can touch the Lord. Amen. We can get a hold of God.